Okay, here we are, the week of Christmas. Can't think of a better time, a more appropriate time for us to be in Luke's gospel and read about how this Christmas, this baby born at Christmas time is much more than just a baby. And you look at his earthly ministry, we see so much more about it here on this Monday as we're in Luke chapter 7. We see the power of Jesus' ministry. And what you witness in chapter 7 is not only his power in the physical realm, but his power in the spiritual realm. He's curing diseases, he's healing people, but he's also driving out demons. He's showing that he's an authority, an authority over any earthly authority on, on this earth. But he comes with compassion. We, we, we hear about his compassion, and that word compassion, when you see it in the scripture, you need to know that's a, that's a word that literally means from the gut. It's, it's, it's looking at a situation and almost making you sick because you just want to do something about it. And that's the beautiful thing is Jesus has compassion, and then he acts upon it. And in that compassion, he loves you and me. This is more than just a little bit of a touch of a feeling. Uh, this is something that goes right to the core of us, right to our spleen, to our gut. And that's the kind of Savior that we have. He reaches out, chapter 7, in the first opening verses, even to Gentiles. Here's a centurion, a man who's over 100 centurion, over 100 soldiers. He's got a servant of his that needs Jesus' care. And so he calls for Jesus, but in his humility, he calls, he sends someone else to go to Jesus. He doesn't feel he's worthy to go himself. He wants Jesus to say but a word. And I wonder if there isn't, you know, some beautiful uh, godly irony in that. Jesus is the word. When God speaks, things happen. Let there be light and there is light so that we can be sure too. When God said something, when Jesus makes a promise or says something, it's more than just words. It's going to happen. It's done. It's good. Um, I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus says. Uh, call upon me in the day of trouble, God says to us. Pray. Um, God hears every prayer. Uh, that's more than just idle words. It always is going to happen. That's the power of that word. Then he comes to those who are who are disenfranchised in the world and those who are the, the lowest in the world. Here's a woman who comes to him. She's a widow. She's lost her husband. Now she's lost her son. This woman is in dire straits in her society. And where is Jesus at? He's right in the midst of them. Verse 11 says he's there with his disciples, and there's a great crowd there. Another says people are going to see this. Uh, Jesus isn't doing this for show, but he's doing this to show that he is truly the Son of God, the Savior of the world. There he shows that compassion. Uh, verse 14 says he's willing to go past social mores of that time. He touches the casket. Uh, in Jewish way of thinking, that would make you undefiled, or that would make you defiled. It would make you... Um, um, uh, that, that you're not clean anymore. Uh, Jesus is going far beyond. His compassion takes him beyond that. And he goes and he touches and he rains, raises the man from the dead. How do you know he's alive? Verse 15 says he sat up and he spoke. He didn't just sit up. It was just a reflex action. He spoke. He's alive. And, uh, of course, the people see and they know there's something special about him. They say two things about him in, in verse 16. A great prophet. In other words, they tie him to what God had promised in the past. Jesus is the greatest prophet, and God has visited his people. Can you think of anything more Christmas than that? That's Emmanuel. Now, they don't understand for sure what they mean by that. Literally, God himself has come and visited us, John 1. He came, the word became flesh, and dwelt. He dwelled among us. He tabernacled among us. He's really visited us. Then uh, messengers come from John the baptizer uh, to emphasize John's the one who comes before Jesus and prepares the way for him. John has his doubts too. He's struggling. Jesus takes him right back to the word. He quotes from Isaiah about the prophecies about the Messiah that's going to come. He tells John 
what he tells you and me, open your eyes, open your ears, open your eyes to see God, open your ears to hear God. You're doing that right now as you're opening your eyes to read his word and you're opening your ears to hear his word speak to you. Take his word um, uh, to heart. Uh, Jesus says, blessed is the one, verse 23, who's not offended by me. Uh, Jesus and the Bible and Christianity are going to scandalize people. That's what that word really means. So don't be surprised when others are scandalized by Jesus. Don't fully understand. Reject him. I want to go against him. Jesus said it would happen. Don't you take his word, believe it, hang on to it totally. Um, and so uh, uh, Jesus says, uh, reminds us about the kind of world that we're, we're coming into. John, uh, in verse 24, he says, is not someone who is easily swayed. He's not like a reed shaken by the wind. We shouldn't be either. Um, he's not one coming dressed in fine clothing. He's not trying to press the world by the way he looks on the outside. We shouldn't be looking for that either. Look on the inside. Um, what we want is a prophet. And Jesus says, John was a great prophet. He's the one uh, chosen by God to go before him. Check out Malachi again. Go back to Malachi. And remember um, of God promising he'd send one who'd come before him. But compared to John, Jesus is the greatest. And he is the greater one or some commentators say, you and I are greater because we've seen Jesus now. John didn't get a witness the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have through Scripture, so in a way, we've been made greater, not because we're so great, but because of what we know and what we have in the Word of God and all this history that we've seen uh, happen in the world. Um, then there's uh, uh, Jesus confronts sin and sinners when he comes to the Pharisees' household, and a woman comes there, um, probably a woman who is a prostitute, says she was a sinner. Um, she comes up to Jesus. She does something that, again, isn't socially acceptable. She lets her hair down. Uh, my commentary says that a if a married woman did that in public, it might be grounds for divorce in that time. Um, she doesn't care. She's going to anoint his feet with oil. Now, that word anoint is where the word Messiah or Christ comes from, so kind of a bit of biblical irony there. Um, notice it says that, uh, Jesus' feet are behind him. She comes up behind him. If you remember, when they sat at table, they didn't sit in a chair. They sat reclined, so feet behind them and body towards the table. Same way at the Last Supper. That's another comment we'll make as we get towards that. But again, um, she comes and, and addresses the lowliest part of Jesus. Remember when Jesus calls his disciples together, he washes their feet. He does the lowliest of actions if we're going to be like Christ, we've got to be willing to do feet too. She's willing to do feet. And in that, um, you and I know about that because Scripture tells us, and, and we know about that woman. One day we're going to see her in heaven. And uh, what, a, what a beautiful act of love and humility and kindness she shows uh, to the Son of God. And Jesus makes the point to Simon, man who invited them, um, that because she has been forgiven much, she loves much. Don't take that. In the other way that uh, she loved, uh, um, because she loved much, God forgave her much. No, it was the other way around. Because Jesus says to her, very last verse, your faith has saved you. Not your works, not what you've done. You did the right thing because following faith, look at James again, following faith comes works and actions. Here's a beautiful example of that right there. And Jesus says to you and me, how much have you been forgiven? And are you showing love like you've been loved that way too? What a great example, what a great perspective in this world when we ask questions like, why should I forgive that person? And why should I love that person? Well, because you've been loved and you've been forgiven so much.
Great text for the week of Christmas. God bless you as you read.